Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Though they're not lining the halls of Canton, Ohio's museum yet, there are plenty of great football players that wore the jersey number 90 in the NFL's history. We have Jeremy McFarlane of the Football's Family Podcast coming into the pig pen to help us find the best in a top 10 list coming up in a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of Pigs and Dispatch, your portal to positive football history. And welcome once again to the Pigpen. We are in our football by numbers series once again, and we're on jersey number 90. We have our good friend joining us today, Jeremy McFarlane from the Football's Family Podcast here on Sports History Network. Uh, Jeremy McFarlane, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren Hayes, it's good to be back. We just uh, talked to you a little over a week ago. We had the uh, big Tecmo Bowl podcast on there and that was very popular and we're glad to have you back here so soon i'll tell you what it's opened the door up to my 80s nostalgia and i have binge watched the generation one transformers in the last week i appreciate this this is oh my nerddom is out and running wild well at least i i see you're not wearing like one of the michael jackson jackets or anything right now in a sequence glove as much as i want to i can't do that i'm gonna leave that for him to do Okay. I'm, I just, I'm not that cool. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's probably a good thing for all of us. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have a, a great number here tonight and, you know, as we were talking before we came on the air, this is one of the few numbers that the pro football hall of fame doesn't give us any help because there is nobody in the pro football hall of fame, according to them, that wore Jersey number that is enshrined in Canton. Can you believe that? That's a hard, hard it, one to it, swallow. It blew me away when I looked at it this morning. I'm like, wait a minute. Of all the years, number 90, all the years in the NFL, number 90 is not in, in the Hall of Fame. Not yet, at least. That That's true. Uh, you know, we're, we're probably thinking in our discussion we had here, we're thinking of probably definitely two, maybe three, even four of these guys probably in the next two decades will probably be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So they'll uh, do some number 90, some justice there. And, uh, oh, absolutely. I agree. So I guess we can start just about anywhere that you want to start with any player because we have well, a lot to pick from. I want to start with one of my personal favorites of all time, if I can. I, you can't see this, but I, I have here a napkin. And uh, my dad said, he told me what he was going to do. He said, Jeremy, I'm going to LP Field. 
and I'm going to meet some Titans. I'm like, well, can't you take me with, can't you take me with you? And he's like, no, it's, he worked for the state and it was a state business thing that he was doing it. And inside that meeting, he got a picture, he got a picture next to Javon curse, the freak. Okay. And Javon curse is one of my all time favorite Titans. And he's called the freak because there's a story that he didn't want to work out one day or he just didn't feel like it. So he said, he told the guys, the trainers, that if I could touch the ceiling, I think the ceiling was 13, 14 feet tall. If I could touch that, would you let me off of working out today? Of course, they thought he couldn't do it. He said, sure. So he flat-footed, touched it, looked at them and walked off. <laughs> he was, he was, I'll give you a little bit of stats here for him. Let me see if I pull it up here. He was drafted in um, – oh, my mom went blank. I had it right here. Here it is. 1999. He was drafted in 1999. 1999. was their first-round draft pick out of Florida. Now, I was like, why do you want to get somebody out of Florida? Well, in 16 games, his first season, in 16 games, he recovered eight fumbles, had 15 tackles for loss, 49 solo Tackle, uh, tackles in 14.5 sacks. This guy right here ran one of the uh, Ishmael brothers down from behind. Now, if you know who Quadre and uh, the Rocket Ishmael were for the NFL, they were extremely fast people. He ran them from behind. But what I loved about watching Javon Curse play, and I remember going to a game and watching him, you know, you have the defensive ends. He's a defensive end, and they usually line up right over or off to the side of the tackles. He was almost to the out of bounds over there close to the cornerback. Like, there is no way that this guy is going to get to the quarterback by being that far off the line of scrimmage. I was wrong. He got a sack on that play. He was so fast, so athletic, and his hands are two or three sizes bigger than a normal man's hands. If you ever see a picture of him, that's what they show how big his hands were. That's why he could do what he did. It hurt. Uh, you know, you don't want to get attached to players because they're players and this is a business, but it hurt when he went to Philadelphia. But it felt good when he came back to the Titans. Is Javon Curse a Hall of Famer? No. But is he one of my favorite all-time players? Well, absolutely, he is. Well, well, you just named, you know, you gave a reason why he was called the freak. I don't know if I believe the whole jumping up in the ceiling thing. I think you checked about uh, seven, eight boxes why he's a freak of nature, you know, and I'm not, I'm excluding the, the extra large hands, you know, 14 and a half sacks as a rookie in a national football league. That's almost unheard of, uh, you know, all the statistics that you, you told, you know, you, you're saying uh, fast enough to go from that, that wider stance. I think they call that like a nine wide when they do that. You know, like a nine technique or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. and, and here's the thing about Javon: if you uh, if you watch how people would have to cover him and they would block block him, they had to try to get him to go all the way around the cornerback. They tried to kind of usher him around because no linebacker or no lineman could take him on pure athletically. They just couldn't do it. So it's more like they're going to try to use his speed against him and. 14 and a half times, it didn't work. Now, he did uh, – his time in Philadelphia was uh, – he had some injury issues. When we came back to Titans, he, he did a little bit better. But I'll tell you what, for those years that he played for Tennessee, uh, we enjoyed watching him play. In fact, Javon might have been my second or third jersey that I bought 
when I started buying Titans jerseys. Yeah, I, I can remember he came on like gangbusters there in that 99 season. And I think like every single football show that was on television, every pregame, he was a part of that conversation that, that entire season. And very uh, aptly so because he was uh, that dominant of a, of a player. So, yeah, it's a shame that uh, he had to move on to Philadelphia, had some injury issues and sort of declined his, uh, his career a little bit sooner than uh, many expected. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, part of it is how he would if you are that athletic and you rely upon your speed and you lose with Achilles or with anything in the back of your leg, which I believe what is what happened to him. That's where you start to lose it. And for Javon, who had so much athletic ability, uh, he just couldn't get it back. And that's a shame. But once you hit uh, the age of 30 in football, for the most part, unless you're Tom Brady, you know, your, your, your athletic, your, your ability goes down a little bit, but he was a three-time pro bowler, first time all pro, uh, first team all pro. It was pretty good, pretty good career for, for, uh, for a guy out of Florida. Yeah, definitely. Now Florida had some pretty good teams back then too. They were, they were pretty strong. The old it football hurts me coach to say that. that. It hurts me to say that. But. <laughs> yeah, they, they were pretty good though. The old football coach was there. So. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. So, very nice. But that is, that is probably my favorite 90 of all time right there okay well well what do you want to do you want to put him on the list now or do you want to well, wait because i will i would say that he if he's not on the list he is uh one, one a uh so i would say that he would be up there but looking at the rest of them it's kind of hard are we looking at 10 today yeah we're gonna to try to shoot for 10 here so he probably will be on it then Okay, well, let's just put him on a standby mode here, and we'll try to put him in sequentially where we, where we think he's going to go here. Okay. All right. Okay, now uh, you have a, a second one in mind you want to talk about? I, I'm just – I'm going to follow your lead. Your right, Moses, well, lead me through. Well, let's go to who I think is probably maybe the top name on this list right now. And he's not my – he's not particularly my favorite because I think my favorite is going to take him. And I think uh, you can probably imagine who that is. Yeah, but I think uh, Jul- Julius Peppers, 17 seasons, wearing a number 90 and doing what uh, Julius Peppers does. I think he's an unbelievable athlete. What a career and what longevity to his career that he's had. Oh, um, he's, he's on that list. We might as well go ahead and put him down in permanent ink. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you, want to, you want to chat about him? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Julius Peppers, one of those guys that I enjoyed watching. I remember when he came out and and I'm like, well, who is who is Julius Peppers? And then he let us know quickly who he is. He had a an interesting career arc. Uh, I remember. See, the thing is, I remember when with Carolina. That's such a good team with him with Carolina for those years. But I don't remember him with the Bears. And I, if I think hard enough, I probably will. But but with the Green Bay Packers. He had so much ability that they moved him to linebacker. I remember that. I think he had 56. He was wearing 56. And that year, I want to say one of those years, either the Bears or the Packers, he almost went to the Super Bowl or went to the Super Bowl with the Packers. I can't remember the years the Packers went to. Well, he was was with the Packers 2014, 2015, 2016. I don't think they they, they did, did not make the Super Bowl those years. Okay, he was with the Bears when Cutler made his – they made their run. Yes, uh, I, I believe that, that yeah. probably when he that made was, it. Probably the Lovey Smith team. Yes. Now, his numbers, this is insane. Even moving him back to linebacker, 
And if they kept him on defensive end, he would have had better numbers. But linebacker, for those three years, 10.5 sacks, 7.5 sacks, and 11 sacks. That's on a linebacker, left outside linebacker. That's incredible. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And he sort of balanced out that uh, Green Bay attack there because they had Clay Matthews Jr. over on the other side. And I think they were looking for that that bookend to, to have there to take some of the double teams off of Clay Matthews. And it looks like it worked and uh, gave, uh, you know, maybe gave uh, Mr. Peppers a little bit of uh, action too. So they, they got the feet off of each other. And uh, he, he had a good pass rusher. I mean, he was with Carolina too, and I forget who it was, but they had a pretty good oh. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking, Mikey. Mother, it's out was of my it, head. Wasn't in the same caliber as Peppers was, but he was a, a very good player. Now, if I remember correctly, Peppers came from North Carolina, didn't he? He was a he was a Tar Hill. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, I remember watching him play in at North Carolina because we kind of get we get games here every now and then from North Carolina, and as a man among boys, uh, when Carolina drafted him. If they put a couple more players with him, their team would have been just almost unstoppable. But overall, 266 games played, longevity, like you said. And I believe it's a five-year wait from the time you retire until you, you're eligible for, this, for the Hall of Fame. That's correct. So he has two more years. Right. Two more years. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, or he should be. Yeah, I mean, here's another guy that, uh, you know, we didn't talk about curse was a pretty big man playing defensive end, but peppers is even, you know, gives up another, like almost 25 pounds on him. He's uh, peppers was six foot seven, 295 pounds. That's, that's a giant man. You know, that's a offensive line uh, caliber there that he could be playing. And he's playing defensive end. So, you know, speed rushing, power rushing, you know, he had a lot of the moves. Uh, it's hard, hard man to, to defend, to keep off your quarterback, you know? So, well, look at this. Nine pro bowlers, three-time all-pro, all 2000 team, all 2010 team, and 2002 offense, or AP defensive rookie of the year. Um, Julius, you are top of the list, my friend. Yeah, he had uh, one, two, three. Looks like probably about eight, seven or eight years of his career, he had double-digit sacks, too. So that's that's quite an accomplishment there. I don't think there's too many people that can say that. So do something right, North Carolina, to pull out somebody like Julius Peppers and um, Lawrence Taylor. Right, right. Yeah, they might. They have a good reputation of getting the pass rushers going there, don't they? <laughs> I'd mm-hmm. say so. Must be in the water down there, and and Michael Jordan to boot. So <laughs> some <laughs> yeah. good athletes going through through uh, uh, Chapel Hill. So. All right. Well, okay. So he's definitely on our list. He's put him so, in the yeah. one slot. All right. Now, now I'm going to start pounding the table here because I think there's a guy, you know, hopefully his uh, career doesn't see a lot of injuries and it's just minor ones like he has right now. But I think TJ Watt uh, is going to be something special. He is something special already. And, uh, you know, I'm very, ex- I was so excited when he was still available for the Steelers to draft him. I think they drafted him like number 21 in the, the draft in the 2017 draft out of Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, everybody knows about his brother, you know, JJ is a, is a phenom. And, but I think, you know, TJ may be as, as good of a player and maybe even will attain the heights that his brother has at some point. 
he probably is playing in a position where he's not going to take as much punishment as his brother. So he might have a longer career. Yeah, that's, that's very true. You know, they play a little bit different style of defense than, uh, than Houston did uh, in Pittsburgh. So, you know, they're, they're usually t- trying to take, uh, let those three uh, big guys in the middle, you know, take on the bigger blocks and, you know, they get the speed rush and do some, some fun things with them. Yeah, they move I, them around gonna, a little bit. I was going to ask you if they play three, four. Yeah. So yeah. TJ Watt is, uh, you know, when the Steelers got him, it was just so, so excited that they, when they did. And, you know, what he did is when he came in the league, you know, seven sacks in his rookie year, which, you know, that's, that's not a, a Javon curse by any means, but the next uh, three years in a row, he went double digits and he's off to a good start already he has three sacks already for this year in two games. So is it, is it more with him? I, I, I'm not familiar with Pittsburgh. I don't get to watch him every week like you do, but is it more coverage sacks that he takes advantage of the situation or is he a, a pure blitzer? Do they blitz him or is it more cover sack? You know, he's in the right place at the right time. They, they do a little bit of both. I mean, they, they scheme everything pretty well. They're basically a 3-4 team. So he's an outside linebacker more than he is a defensive end. But what they do, okay, like against Josh Allen of the Bills last week, they've only they only rushed uh, four, sometimes only three, to take away the passing game, and but they were still got to him. He got two sacks on on Josh Allen, who's a pretty mobile quarterback, and one was a strip sack. You know, th- this past week uh, when they played the Raiders, you know, Derek Carr's not known for being you know a speed demon out of there, but you know they he got a little bit of pressure before he got injured in the second quarter. Again, another strip sack, but they they. They blitzed a little bit more, I think, but they have not been blitzing that much. Uh, last season, they they let off the gas a little bit, you know, halfway through the season. They haven't done it much this year, but I think it's going to probably depend on what personnel they have out there and who they're playing, and uh, you know what they probably somebody like you know Kyler Murray or uh, you know Jackson of, of Baltimore. They're not going to want to blitz and you know, let them get outside, you know, but um, some of these other guys, maybe they will. So, yeah, I can tell you, Kyler Murray is not somebody to be messed around with. Yeah. Dangerous (sighs) man. Very much so. Uh, TJ Watt to me is on a career course to be one of the best linebackers of all time. He is. Is he going to be up there with Lawrence Taylor? No, but uh, I don't think anybody will be. You know, you only have Lawrence Taylor once a generation. But with T.J. Watt, if you have a team that can back you up, unlike his brother in in, in uh, Houston, now with Arizona, they got a team to back him up. But if you have a team that can back up somebody like T.J. Watt, his career is going to look so much better. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, I think it was a real mistake last year. I think – and I'm trying to put my bias away, but I think TJ Watt deserved to be the defensive player of the year and not Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald is came out of pit, you know, so he's a, a Pittsburgh guy. You know, people in Pittsburgh love him too, but TJ Watt had more sacks, had more tackles for loss. Uh, he played in more games and he had more overall tackles than, than Aaron Donald. But, uh, and I couldn't believe when when they voted and had Aaron Donald over T.J. Watt last year. I, I, a lot of people were up in arms about that, and I can't disagree with them. But maybe maybe he'll get his one of these years, sir. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Should T.J. Watt be on our list? I, I feel that he should because of his trajectory is so good. He's only got you know 
uh, four seasons in and you're starting his fifth, but he's the highest paid defensive player in football right now, ever, uh, as of a couple weeks ago. But I, I got him down. Okay. I agree so, with you. so I will put him down as our, our number two here. And JPP. Okay. Jay, Jason Pierre Paul uh, is one of, one of the guys that I enjoy watching. Uh, I enjoy him because of several reasons, but one of them is he was on one of the episodes of Tackle My Ride. And I thought that was pretty cool. Well, what what kind of car did he take on? It was a van. Really? It was a oh. van. Now, I'm if you were to ask me what NF, NFC team I like, the Giants will be up there close to the top. I just just like the Giants' mystique. I love their colors. Well, they basically took this van and put the giant colors around it and and stenciled in uh, numbers and names of great players. And it was, it, you'll need to, if you get a chance to watch it, uh, Tackle My Ride, New York Giants, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, but I tell you what, Jason Peter Paul is, is, uh, is underrated, but he is another guy that if I could put him on one end and Javon Kirst in his prime on the other and put Julius Peppers wherever he wants to stand, TJ Watt, you're not going anywhere with, against us. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad J, JPP won a Super Bowl last year. You know, can you remember back? Okay, I think it was at the end of 2017, before the 2018 season, when he left the Giants and went to Tampa Bay. I can't remember if they traded him or if he went as a free agent. But people were—I think it was a trade because uh, people were up in arms and saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, poor JPP. You know, he had that horrendous injury with the, the fireworks or whatever, how whatever happened there. Uh, you know, the Giants let him go, and now he's going to this you know horrible team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what? You know what was me? What's going to happen? What a, a few years later, he's winning a Super Bowl, and they're on another run this year to looking pretty good. Now, if, let's see. When did the Giants win their Super Bowls against the Patriots? Because I think he won one with the Giants, didn't he? Or won two? He, uh, I think he might have just won the one. I don't think he, he won was the there. One. Yeah, I think okay. it was 2011, I think. they. Okay. Okay. So, he's okay. He is all right. Uh, for JPP fans, he's okay right where he is. He is not the emphasis on the defense. He, and I don't know if you can hear it, but it suddenly started raining down here in Tennessee. Um, he's not the emphasis of the defense, but he really does a good job of of emphasizing the other players and getting getting pressure off of them so they can do the, their job. And if I'm looking at this correctly, they have him no longer playing defensive end but linebacker, which tells you, again, just how gifted and athletic he is that he can move from one position to another like that. Yeah, I think they, they went switched to a 3-4 in his uh, second year that he was here, when he was defensive end, and they went to a 3-4, so they consider him an uh, outside linebacker now. And But, you know, to be you – know, he's a little long in the tooth. He's in his, uh, what, uh, 12th year, 11th year, and uh, playing outside linebacker and making that switch where you've got a little bit more running and uh, bending, and he's doing a great job. You know, 89 sacks in his career so far, and uh, you know, just a tremendous player. And comes from – one of my, you know, comes from the College of the Canyons in California and uh, South Florida. I played for both of those teams. Yeah, I remember him playing for South Florida. That was uh, the Bulls, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, it is. South Florida. Oh, good gracious. I, I knew their coach. Was it Scott Frost? Did he coach there at one point? 
Uh, that I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm not that familiar with them. We don't get a lot of their games up here. We do not get a lot of their games down here either. But I'll tell you what, South South Florida is a neat place to, to – hey, I went to college in South Florida. I, I love their helmet logo. Their, their helmet logo is really cool. It is very cool. It is very cool. Horn. Yeah. And I'm sure people are listening to this yelling that I'm wrong about the coach of South Florida. If I'm wrong, it's Darren's fault. Just let him <laughs> he got me on here. Um, no, JPP, though, when uh, when you watch him play, uh, he's one of those guys that not only is quick, but he's fluid. Uh, there's not a lot of wasted movement. I was watching the Super Bowl last year. Just watching him, even when he's getting a little bit older, he's not – it doesn't look like he efforts as much. He's not, it's not forced. He's just that good. Uh, you know, when watching him when he was younger, it looked like he tried a little too hard, but he started getting used to playing. And it's almost like his actions, there's, there's not a wasted movement. It's so fluid. It's so, it, uh, he's just a good player overall. Yeah, I mean, what a job he did in the Super Bowl, too. When you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who lives on, you know, getting outside the pocket and just, you know, having some goofy arm motion to throw a pass, you know, some some freakish distance that uh, that shouldn't be humanly possible. But they kept him in that pocket and threw pressure up the middle on him, and he had nowhere to go because, you know, JPP and his colleague on the other side just stayed home and, uh, you know, kept that edge. And uh, Mahomes had nowhere to run to get the outside and, you know, get his passes that he lives on. And I think that was a big difference in that game. As Darren and I have been talking for a while about doing something about Super Bowl rings, and I don't know if we can do it because of licensing and, and trademarks, uh, but we both looked at the rings that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out with this, this year, and they look pretty sharp. Uh, they are so much better than their first ring by far yeah that's that's for sure that's for sure i'll tell you what though um jpp is is his hands are weighed down with those two gigantic rings on his fingers well he's uh he's a he's a big man so i think uh, he can probably handle it probably <laughs> like to have a few more to uh to tone his uh you know weight himself out balance him out here on his no i side. just i read somewhere yesterday way off the subject but i read somewhere yesterday that tom brady wants to play till he's 50 Really? Wow. Yeah. I, and I'm thinking, Tom, you got more money than most third world countries. Your wife has more money than you. You've got seven Super Bowl rings, and I think two of them were legit Super Bowl rings, maybe. I don't know. Uh, do you really want to worry about playing to your 50? George Blanda did, or real close to it. I don't know if Tom Brady can do it. You know, I have a different respect for Tom Brady the last maybe three years. I mean, before he was just, you know, because he was like the nemesis of, of my team. And it was, you know, you had to get by Brady to to get anywhere to the Super Bowl if you were an AFC team. And now I think the man loves to play the game of football so much. I don't, it's definitely not the money. You know, he could, he could, re- could have retired, you know, five years ago and been on TV or commercials or whatever, both and been making a fortune. Um, and plus all the money he has saved. But I think he loves the competitive nature of football, almost like Brett Favre did. You know, Favre sort of, but Favre would play games to to come back and have to think about it. Brady's, you know, telling you right up front, "Hey, I'm coming back next year. I'm coming back." You know, there's there's 
not much doubt. You I mean, most people, like you say, if they figure he's going to be back next year, even. And uh, you can't say that for, you know, all quarterbacks that uh, they'll be doing that. So the I, last I, thing you want to be is the backup for Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, but you got to handle it. I mean, the guy's only had one major injury in his career, you know, you know, it was a horrific one. He suffered early in the season. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That well, that gave Matt Castle some a lot of money from Kansas City. That earned him a lot of money. That most certainly did. Most certainly did. All right. Well, what do we want to do with JPP? Ah, uh, I put him over in the corner with uh, Javon. You think so? Okay, we can do that. But I think both of them are going to end up on our list. I think you're probably right. Now, right. here's one here's one guy that I really enjoy and uh, I remember the draft that this took place 2006 2006 I was waiting to see where Jay Cutler was going to go actually I was waiting to see where the Titans were going to go with the number three pick and I thought we're going to get Matt Leinard I didn't think they were going to get Cutler I thought they were going to get Leinard and we got Vince Young well the first pick for the Houston Texans, and I, my, the name of the Howard Castley, trying to remember the name of the GM for the Texans at the time. Char- Charlie Castley? That's his name, yes. Uh, he took so much heat because he picked Mario Williams. Oh, that's right. Mario Williams, and I believe – they signed him before the draft, which I think Roger Goodell put a kibosh to that. But so many people were saying they're going to go Reggie Bush. They're going to go Reggie Bush. And Reggie Bush didn't have a bad career. But if you're looking at somebody who made a difference immediately, it was Mario Williams. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely true. You know, he When he came in the league – uh, in Houston, I think uh, no, he he started all sixteen games. From I was thinking he got injured. Now, he had a little bit of a disappointment because he only had four and a half sacks. But I think he was probably drawn to double teams because you know people saw what he did in college, and he was a, a wrecking crew in college. And I can see why he went number one. And uh, he was a North Carolina State uh, product, so just up the road uh, from where, where uh, Peppers uh, what, was. It Peppers it was North Carolina, yeah. What what happened with them, with Mario Williams, is, you know, everybody is the GM in their couch, on their couch. Everybody says that, you know, everybody was reading, everybody said, you know, it's got to be, you know, you need Vince Young. And there was even a push for Vince Young because Houston, you know, he was from Texas. He would be in Houston. It would draw so many of those fans in from from Houston. Of course, he went to the University of Texas, won a championship. I remember going to bed for that game, by the way. I went to bed. I thought the game was over. So many people said, well, they're going to pick Vince Young number one. They didn't, and I think they made the right choice by getting Mario Williams. And and if I remember correctly as well, when he went up to Buffalo, he didn't have the the – well. Trying to remember exactly what was okay. I was thinking of one year, the last year in Houston. He had a career in Buffalo that was so underrated that Buffalo really did get their money's worth out of him. Yeah, I, I think he actually played better as a Buffalo Bill than he did as a Houston Texan. Oh, I think numbers, so too. 
the numbers sort of support that too. I mean, a little bit shorter career there, but uh, you know, he had double digit sacks uh, every single year, except for the last year he was there. I don't remember his time with Miami. I don't, but when I, I remember Houston, cause we play him two times a year and we had to make sure we knew where he was every time. Yeah. Now so you, I think you were sort of alluding to it, but you, you mentioned uh, four names. I mean, that was a pretty good draft class that year. You know, Mario Williams that you know, was the number one pick, but uh, you, like you said, Vince Williams, Matt Leinert, Reggie Bush, uh, who is the other big back out of uh, USC? They're 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 uh, big uh, bruiser. Linda White. Linda, Linda White, White went to he went to Tennessee. We had uh, at that that time we had Chris Johnson and Linda White, and they called him Thunder and Lightning. Right. So you had some pretty good uh, draft picks. You know, coming coming out the call as college players, they were all outstanding. And I, you know, like you said, uh, Houston really took a lot of heat for taking Mario Williams number one. But probably if you look back now in hindsight, is probably he was probably the best player of those those five. Had the best NFL was, career anywhere. You right, remember yeah. that line from uh, draft day where Kevin Costner's talking to the owner of the Browns and, and they take him to this water slide and they said people pay to get splashed. They, they pay to get splashed. What people wanted with this draft is they wanted a splashy name. They wanted Reggie Bush. They wanted Matt Liner. They wanted Vince Young. Mario Williams was not a splashy name. He turned out that out of those, those people, even Cutler, uh, Cutler had a longer career. Well, not really. Uh, but every one of those players, Matt, uh, Mario Williams is the one that had probably the better career. Yeah, I think arguably you could say that because even, like you said, Cutler and Bush had really good NFL careers and, uh, you know, we're, we're young and Lindell White, maybe not so much. Uh, you know, Bush had a, a decent career, uh, but, you know, Mario was he was he wasn't a superstar. I mean, they called him Super Mario, uh, but he he had a very effective career, especially, you know, what, how many times did he have double digit sacks in his career? Uh, five. Uh, you know what's funny? In front of me, right here, I have the tops official tops 2006 football cards. Every one of them from that from that group. And I'm looking at some rookies that came out from that year. And Mario Williams just it, he was the best player of that draft. Which either you take that as a good thing or you take that as a bad thing. I don't know. He just was a good player. And I think he was completely underrated. Uh, I totally agree with you. And, uh, and I think, like I said, I think uh, Buffalo probably found the most value for him. But, you know, Bobby I think Carpenter was a rookie that year. I did not know that. <laughs> well, you, know. you know, he he's comparative uh, to and I, I think, you know, before we go away from him, I think we'll put we'll put him definitely on our, our standby list here as well. But I think his career he, he sort of reminds me of another player that's on this list that's still currently playing. That's Jadavian Clowney. You know, they, they both came out were, you know, very splash players in college, uh, very, you know, highly touted, uh, you know, high draft picks. And, uh, you know, they, well, then Clowney went to the Texans also, didn't he? Is he originally a Texan? Yes, he did. And yeah. I, re I was thinking of Jadavian 
hold on, hold on a second, Darren. Keep talking. There's somebody okay. coming up to the door. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, you know, Clowney, I think, is so similar his story. And some, you know, so there's times where I, uh, you know, I almost overlap their careers because they're so similar. But yeah, Houston taking another great pass rusher. Uh, of course, at that time they had you know JJ Watt on the other side. He played a little bit with Mario too. Uh, but that's why they could afford to let uh, Mario go to Buffalo because in 2014, Houston got Clowney and Clowney got injured early on in the season. He only played two games at his rookie season in 2014. Uh, but then he sort of didn't live up to his expectations so far in his career. Uh, you know, so far in his career, he has uh, 32 sacks in approximately was it eight seasons, seven seasons, seven full seasons. Uh, now he is with Cleveland. So we'll see what he can do there. Well, Davion came in. I remember him coming into the Titans and thinking, whoa, we just, we just got a good one on the end there. And uh didn't quite work out the way I thought it would. Yeah. Didn't that's, quite work out. Yeah. He sort of got that stigma after leaving Houston of sort of being that, uh, you know, almost like that merchant Marine or that hired hand that you bring in uh, if you need it. And that's what he did at Seattle. Had a great, great uh, season with Seattle a couple of years ago in 2019, but didn't quite uh, do that with Tennessee. Um, but, you know, who knows with Cleveland, they've got a, a lot of talent there and they've got a, a guy on the other side and miles Garrett that people really have to worry about. And Garrett's probably gonna get the double team over Clowney a lot of times. I'll bet this year. I think that Clowney, of course, he was the first pick, I believe he was first pick out of South Carolina. Do you think he got the attention because of that hit against Michigan in was it the Outback Bowl? Well, I think he was pretty highly touted in the middle of the season. You know, they were, they were covering South Carolina, like nobody's business that, that year. And I forget, um, I think it was Spurrier, the coach at Carolina yes, then yes. that year. Okay. And uh, she said he, he was pretty highly touted the whole season long. And I can remember they were, you know, putting him on Heisman watch and everything else all, all year long. So he got quite a bit of attention in, in the college game. And he, he lived he up to it. He had a great, great college career. Yeah, he did. And, you know, though, somebody like Jadavion is good to have on your team. He's a good player overall. Uh, but as you see with his numbers, um, he has a hard time to stay healthy. That's, that's very true. Very true. At at South Carolina, I've just pulled his stats up. He uh, ended up having in his three seasons playing there, uh, 47 tackles for loss, 24 sacks. And that's not too shabby. That's only three, his, his final year. People were trying to starting to figure out who he was, and uh, he was getting a little bit of attention with some extra blockers coming at him. I rem- I remember that, and I think I remember people saying, "Quit playing, Jadavion. You're going to cost yourself money." I think that's what they were saying. That just just sit out the rest of the year. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Probably true, and probably now, uh, probably wasn't that bad of advice too, because uh, he would have probably cost himself some money on that. So uh, he lined up with Miles Garrett. You see, you're going to see him come through. Miles Garrett is a monster. That's awesome. He's an awesome player. Uh, but yeah, I like Jadavion. But I think if you were to take those two and say, "Do you want Mario Williams in your prime or Jadavion?" I would take Mario. Oh, mo- most definitely. But I'm just trying to make the point. They sort of had a so- similar path. Uh, their NFL career or coming into oh, yeah. the NFL was sort of sort of similar. And oh, yeah, I, uh, absolutely. So, but I think it's probably the, the Texans connection being the number one pick of the Texans. So. 
Yeah. Again, do you pick for flash or do you pick for need? And if you're going to pick for uh, flash, the most flashy defensive position to me is defensive end. You know, you can pick a cornerback, but a defensive end is the guy that's going to get you the sacks. Yeah, you, you want the pass rushers. That's the, the hot ticket on, on the defensive side, just like a quarterback is on the offensive side. And so the, the key positions that people are really going after in the draft. So that's why you see so many three. of them in the top 10. You know? Play 4-3, please, so we can have two defensive ends. <laughs> that just have just 4-3. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just, I, I, know, I know they want to get paid as defensive ends because I think a defensive ends uh, contracts are higher in the, the bargaining agreement than an outside linebacker. So. They are. Um, and, and I've seen people say, well, I'm a tight end, but I catch more passes than wide receivers, but you line up as a tight end. <sighs> just, Of course, perhaps that's not true anymore because Miles Garrett signed a big contract last year, TJ Watt this year. Um Maybe, maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe now uh, defensive ends want to be outside linebackers. Who knows? <laughs> I got a good one. I got a good one. The one that I enjoyed watching, uh, Lonnie Holiday. Okay, yeah. I remember that name. Lonnie Holiday. He played in the uh, – he played in the 90s. If I'm, let's see. He's looking at his time with Green Bay. He did not win a Super Bowl with Green Bay. He – 2000 – no. Um Overall, had a pretty decent career. Let's see, uh, sacks. He had sixty-two point five sacks, which is pretty, pretty solid for, for a for a guy who lined up as uh, defensive tackle many years. Um, but he played for some bad teams. So having uh, sixty-two sacks as a defensive tackle is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, it definitely is. He he was definitely a very good player. And I can remember him. He, he played on a, quite a few teams here. He was quite the journeyman here. Uh, you know, Green Bay, Kansas City, Miami, Denver, Washington, Arizona. He was all over the country. Everybody goes to resi- re- retire in Arizona. I guess that's where he went. Yeah, I guess. Not a bad place to retire to, huh? No, it's not a bad place at all. Not a bad place at all. Uh, but one thing I remember about Ronnie Holiday is uh, he had an incredible motor. He had a credible motor. Uh, and if you look at his first few years with Green Bay, you could tell with his sack totals that his motor was pretty solid, but he just couldn't stay healthy. He just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, yeah. Out of all the games that he could play, he, he said he played uh, 214 uh, games in and, and a, what, a 14, 13-year career. That's, you know, he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, that wears down on your body. And he, he's a pretty big guy, too, six foot five, 288 pounds in his playing days. And, you know, you're, you're going up against 300 uh, pound plus uh, players, you know, some good athletes on the offensive tackles that are just beating on you as you're coming in there. And those guys' punches, when I mean, they call them punches, they're not kidding. They're, uh, they're sticking it to you, trying to keep you off their quarterback. So that, that sure that takes a toll on you after a few years. Oh, I think it does. I can't imagine somebody like, you know, people are saying about J.J. Watt and his durability, but look who he has to go up against. Look what he has to go up against. He's going to take double team from the biggest guys each time. Uh, the same thing with with uh, Mario Williams. When you see a blitz, they're going to they're going to clip him with a uh, with a running back, or they're going to put a tight end on him and try to usher him away from the quarterback. You're, you're going to take a, a beating like this. 
So yeah. you, if you're looking at not playing all 16 games, there's a reason for that. Yeah, that that's very true. Very true. But yeah, I, Va- Va- Vonnie Holiday, though, but very good, good player. I'm surprised, though, he didn't have any uh, Pro Bowl seasons and he had some nice seasons there. And uh, no, of course, no all pros either, but uh, definitely a significant player that uh, I'm glad you mentioned. I, I have one that sort of uh, jumps out at us. Uh, how about Jay Ratliff? Uh, you know, just uh, just recently uh, played. Uh, 2015 was his last season. The last three seasons he played was with the Chicago Bears. But his first uh, eight seasons was as a Dallas Cowboy as their nose yeah. tackle. I remember him as a Cowboy. Uh yeah, nose tackle. See, this is the it did three four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the trend. Uh, you know, early two thousands uh, in the nineties before Pro Bowls and All Pro, uh, thirty five sacks. But nose tackles. You know, they have him listed as a defensive end, but he played nose tackle the majority of his time in Dallas. Uh, but you know, they're they're the the hole pluggers. They're you know, take up space, eat up the a gaps, and uh, let everybody else filter in behind you. So. But he he was very effective as as a, his position and a significant player as well. I remember watching him several times on Thanksgiving. You, you would hear his name called out. Uh, that's something that uh, you have to be a team player to play nose tackle. That's why Albert Hainsworth didn't do what he did in in Washington. He wanted the numbers. But you got to be a team player to eat up the blocks like that. And Jay Ratliff certainly was. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> That's, uh, those guys are very uh, giving up their bodies to uh, make uh, let the linebackers look good most of the time. So that's a, a good thing there. Um, you know, Nadamakan Sue, he wore the jersey uh, number for nine, number ninety for five seasons. And uh, what, you know, what can you say about Nadamakan Sue? You know, some people look at him as a dirty player, and there's been occasions he has been. He's probably done some naughty things on the football field. He's he's paid his dues for it. But man, this guy is a beast, and he still is, is a beast, a uh, force to be reckoned with. Got the Super Bowl ring as well. Uh, when he came out, he came out of Oklahoma, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, N- Nebraska. Nebraska, excuse me. Yeah, it was Nebraska. It was Gerald, uh, Ger- Gerald McCoy came out of North, uh, Oklahoma. That's what I was thinking of. They both came out about the same time. Right. Uh, I, I remember making a character for him on Madden that year. And just putting, you know, what people said that he was going to be, just putting him in like that and then watching him play, Madden got it right. He was just that good of a player. Yeah, very strong player. Uh, you know, they have him listed six foot four, 313-pound defensive tackle. Um, but his his first year, first four years, first five years were with the Lions. And he had 10 sacks in his first year as a rookie. Uh Ended up, uh, I think he made the Pro Bowl that season, too. Yeah, he, yes, he did. He was an All-Pro as a rookie. But five Pro Bowls altogether so far in his career, three All-Pros, Super Bowl championship, uh, but uh, that was, what, two years ago? With, was that with Kansas City? You got that? No, one? he went Tampa Bay. Oh, was Tampa Bay. Year. Tampa Bay, that's right. That's and if you look, in 2018, he played in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yes, yes, that's true. You know, all decades team of the 2010s uh, and the rookie of the year in 2010, you know, just a tremendous player, 65 and a half sacks uh, so far in his career. That's pretty good for an interior defensive lineman. 
Yeah. Again, when you're talking about this, this is where I have to tell people, my dad was asking me, is this, well, why does the defensive tackles, why do they have so low of a tack, uh, sack and tackle numbers? It's, you can't judge them like you would an outside player because they're not going to get a lot of up the middle stuff. And you're also going to be clipped. Or you're going to be blocked by the center and the guards. So you're going to have double team in a lot of cases. Your goal is to open it up for the people outside. And if you can get a sack or a tackle as a defensive tackle or sack, you know, any of those things, you're doing pretty good. So 65 sacks is incredible. Yeah. It, I mean, the other reason probably is, you know, you're right up against the blockers. You're, you know, a football's length away from your nearest guy. So they, they can get on you fast and get hands on you. You don't have that clean rush where the linebackers, both the middle linebackers on stunts and the outside linebackers, sometimes they get a clean, clean shot. Somebody misses a block or, you know, a back supposed to pick them up and they can blow through the back or, you know, just, uh, you know, just do a speed rush on a, an offensive tackle. Let's not have his feet, right. They, they you know, they could nice shot at the quarterback where, those interior linemen, they have to go through somebody most of the time. If you, if you look at it also, and Arnie, I'm sorry about to say this, he had three All-Pros and four Pro Bowls with a very bad Detroit line team. Yeah, that's very true. They had him on the defensive side and uh, Stafford and Calvin Johnson on the other. On the, Does it look on the like Matt Stafford is missing Detroit at all right now? No, he's looking pretty good. He's looking pretty good. Yeah, he definitely is. But yeah, I think um, you know, Sue's probably one that we want to put under consideration here. Yeah. Now, uh, the big thing is, I'm going to call him Sue in Sue because I don't know if I can spell the Domica. The Domican Sue. Okay. Well, you can call him, you call him Sue. I'll call him Mr. Sue. The old uh, Johnny Cash, though. Yes. Uh, yes. The uh, boy named Sue. So, uh, and he's no boy, though. Okay. Um, you know, another. another we got so many good, great players here. How about like uh, Darnell Dockett, who wore jersey for ten seasons? Uh, you know, tremendous played linebacker for, there. Played for uh, Arizona. Yes, yes. Uh, he was defensive tackle. Um, played with them uh, for his entire career, and he was there during that uh, Super Bowl in 2010 when the Steelers beat the Cardinals. But I remember he was a, he was a person to contend with in that game. Um, yes, that, that was that game. I remember where I was when that game took place. That was a good game. I know you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's got my my two of my favorite play, Super Bowl plays ever happening in that same game. So I just don't know how James Harrison did what he did. But look look at this on uh, the defensive stats that he has: 113 quarterback hits. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is – again, they have him lined up as a defensive tackle. Again, if you can – in one year, in 2007, 19 hits. Wow. Yeah, he, looks like he moved outside. He, he moved to right defensive end uh, the last five years of his career. So it's sort of split his career between defensive tackle and defensive end. Uh, probably they've have changed. Have somebody the, as good as he is. You need to put him on the outside so he doesn't get beat up as much. Yeah. Uh, but 290 pound, you know, defensive end. So another another big fella uh, having to try to get around those corners. But he he did well. You know, he didn't have uh, he didn't have any seasons where he had double digit sacks. But I don't think the sacks are what he was made him so strong. It was that you had to most of the time double team him, and he was a run stuffer. You know, 
So that's when the backs would, uh, you know, get the tackle for loss or maybe only get, you know, get hit right at the, the line of scrimmage and go down. But uh, he was uh, definitely a truck in there. That's for sure. I remember watching him play and I believe uh, in that Super Bowl, he was, let's see if I have his number for the Super Bowl. I believe in, from, in the Super Bowl, he had a pretty good, pretty good game as well. Yeah, I think he did. Um I'm not seeing any of his postseason is not listed on here. Okay. What, 2008, you said? Uh, 2000, uh, yeah, 2008. All right. In the playoffs, four games, 11 tackles, four tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty special. That's for sure. He lined up as a defensive tackle, too. So there you go. Yeah. Most definitely. So I think uh, he's one that we ought to be taking a look at here at the end. Um, how about Neil Smith? I mean, there's a name from the past. that was a, a great defender. All right. See, Neil Smith with me, I have a love dislike because my grandfather would, would come back and get me if I say, hey, I have a love dislike relationship with him. And here's what, here's the dislike. He played for the Chiefs when I was a Broncos fan. The love, he played for the Broncos when they won the Super Bowl. Right. Two of them. Right. Um, Neil Smith is on the he, – he made our list. He is definitely on that list. In 12 seasons, 13 seasons, let's see, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 seasons, 104 sacks. Yeah. And his okay. last year – last year he didn't get any. So that's 12 seasons. That's pretty good. <laughs> Real good. Any Anytime you have uh... – three numbers there for your sack total. That's, that's a, a very significant player. And, he uh, came over from Kansas city to Denver. I remember that day when he came over and they signed him. I knew at that point that Denver not only had the offense with trail Davis, John Elway, Ed McCaffrey, you know, uh, Shannon Sharp, but they added Neil Smith to a defense that needed a Neil Smith. And for two years, look what he did. Yeah, actually, good. actually, with three years, um, he did he did an amazing thing. He did amazing, but the two years for the Super Bowl run, yeah, most most definitely, six Pro Bowls in his career, as an All Pro once, uh, two Super Bowl championships, like you said, and the All nineteen nineties decade team, um, just a fantastic player. Five hundred eighty. He should be in the Hall Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, he. When I was saying, you know, two to three. You know, I'm, I'm, of course, uh, you know, saying, you know, Peppers, definitely. I think Watt's got a, a shot if he continues his trajectory. And Neil Smith is another one I think uh, has a real good shot of, of getting in the Hall of Fame. I forgot that he played for San Diego. I forgot that. Yeah, he so it looks like maybe he wanted to probably forget that too. But uh, like, like you say, he had a cup of coffee there. Right, right. But yeah, okay. So I have him third on our list then. So that takes up three of our spots. Yeah, so you got Peppers, Watt, and Smith. And Smith. All right. Right. And then we got a bunch uh-huh. that we're going to come back and look at. But another there one we maybe go. we ought to think about here is Rob Burnett. Uh, another another really strong uh, contender here. You know, defensive end came in the league with the Cleveland Browns 1990. Uh, Played with them through the '95 season, then went to you know moved to made the move to Baltimore. Was there through 2001, and then was a Miami Dolphin 2002, 
You had me until you said Baltimore. <laughs> hey, uh, well, it was the same franchise, basically. Hey, it was the same franchise. 73 sacks. That's pretty good. Yeah, he uh, he was a, a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, you know, great, great career he had. It was just consistent. Uh, he, had, he had two seasons where he went over, had 10 sacks or more. Uh, but everything else was sort of, you know, in that nine, seven, you know, for some years of three and four. But he was he was consistent and uh, very good ball player. Yeah, he that, I remember that year. Uh, I don't remember him per se, but I remember that defense. Ooh, that defense. I'm surprised that you would have 10 sacks with with him from a defense that came with Ray Lewis and, and all those guys. How he had that many times getting a sack. That means he's pretty good. Yeah, they, they were – that's – probably one of the best defenses in NFL history right there. I hate to say it because they're a division rival, but they were good. Real good. All right. So, and also if I, if I remember correctly, Darren, you might know this more than I do because they were in their division, the 94 Cleveland Browns that had Bill Belichick as the head coach. Am I right on that? I think you're afraid. It's right in that time frame. Yes. It had, um, the defensive coordinator, and I cannot believe I forgot his name, coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And my my Tide fan friends friends are going to get me for that. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator. That team. You're saying Nick Saban? Yeah, Nick Saban was the defensive really? coordinator. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I, I cannot believe I forgot St. Nick's name. Uh, but that team – Compared to your '85 and '86 Browns, that team was one of the best Browns team that you that they that they pulled out. And if they had gone further, I believe Cleveland would have given them the stadium that they wanted, and you will never had the Baltimore Ravens the way they are right now. Now I believe Baltimore would have gotten a team, but it wouldn't be the Browns. I believe they've gotten a, an expansion team. Yeah, 94, the Browns were 11 and 5 uh, and took second in the AFC Central Division. Hmm, I wonder who won that, that division that year. Ah, uh, yeah, I see where that's going. <laughs> see where you're going with that. Well, they, they had a good team, but that's, remember, that's uh, the really good Bill Cower teams that they have back there. Greg Lloyd and, um, uh, and company. Kevin Green uh, was on that Steelers defense. Uh, Woodson was still there. They, they were pretty strong, too. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm thinking that when you look at that Cleveland team that year, uh, they just they had it, and I don't, and I think they pretty much imploded. Um, and then, of course, the next year after that, I believe that year was pretty much ruined because they knew that they were gone, going to leave. Yeah, I, th- I think. Well, they sort of had the writing on the wall. I think it was Belichick that uh, sort of chased Kozar out of town for Testaverde, and that was probably a mistake. You know, Testaverde good quarterback, but he liked to throw a lot to the other team sometimes. <laughs> so that sort of got him in trouble. And uh, he, he was one of the best quarterbacks the Steelers ever had. Never played for him, though. But that, he threw quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we famously called him Interceptiverity up here. And the Browns fans didn't care I for that see, too much. I see what you did with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Burnett, though, had the one Pro Bowl uh, and the Super Bowl championship as we said, with the, the Baltimore Ravens. So he's definitely another significant player. Let's put him on the maybe list. Okay. 
All right. Um, the other one I have still here flying out here is Larry Brooks, uh, another great uh, name from the past. And he wore the number 90 as a defensive tackle for the 72 Rams is when he came in the league all the way through 1982. And uh, this man had five Pro Bowls and all pro. Uh, 74 and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position. We, we said how significant that is from an interior lineman. Now, I, this is why I love listening to your podcast. Uh, not only do you give us the positive football news daily, but you also bring up names like Larry Brooks, which I've probably seen him play, but didn't know who he was. And this is why I appreciate the, the Pace Kid Dispatch so much. Oh, but thank you. That's that's what we want to do. We want to preserve that football history, you know, just like uh, all our other shows on Sports History Network. But so if you were to take out 81, 82, 75, and 72, where he didn't even play 10 games those years, the rest of his career looks so amazing. I mean, again, when you're talking, and I believe in 79, they went to the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Am I yeah, right they, on that? Yeah, they, yep, they did. And uh, I forget they who they, they I forget who they lost oh, to. Oh, see, I keep walking <laughs> into that sort of stuff. Yeah, you're folks. a secret Steelers fan. I know it. I think your your father in law he did his job. So he, he did his job, and of course, I'm looking across. I have a Steelers helmet hidden in the corner of this office here. Uh, but he played alongside Jack Youngblood. Yeah, and. Uh, no, I think uh, they, they had a great defense uh, those years that he was there, and he was a big part of that. Vince Ferragamo. Uh, yeah, right, right. Uh, Ferragamo. Say those and, names. You have to say them with flair, or you can't say them at all. You can't who, say Jack Young. Who is the, uh, the, the lady, a uh, blonde haired lady that owned them? She took over from oh, her. Oh, Georgia. Ro- Rosenblum, right? Georgia Fontier. 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 Right. Fontier. Okay. Yeah, uh, she, yeah, she she was uh, flamboyant too. Love the hair. Uh, I was watching something today. I was looking at something on Facebook today that said uh, Aquanet is the original Gorilla Glue. <laughs> if you want to know why we have problems with the ozone, it is Aquanet. Oh, it's the most hairspray. Definitely. Most definitely, and some of the uh, aerosol uh, deodorants probably too. They were big popular <laughs> back in the seventies. So like when you know that you did it right is when you could put your arm down because your arms. Were frozen in place <laughs> and your ar- arm hairs would stick to the inside of your shirt when you go take your shirt exactly off the end of the day. <laughs> exactly said hair in the uh, air in the 80s stood no chance with aquanet <laughs> and white rain but no right. i like uh, looking at larry brooks defensive tackle 74 sacks that's pretty good yeah i i think so he's uh, another very significant one i think uh we got to take a look here when we go to our deliberations here um that's pretty much I have. I mean, there's some other names. Uh, well, do you have you have other names that you want to talk about? I like uh, one more. Okay, one more sure. if I could, please. Yeah, please. Uh, one of my favorite all-time players, and it's not because he was that good, but because of I – mean, he was good. But because of the commercial, he was with, with uh, State Farm commercial with Aaron Rodgers. That's B.J. Raji. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, his nickname was The Freezer. You know, you had William Perry in the fridge. He's the freezer. Listen to this. This guy, 6'2", 334 pounds. Yeah, that, he, to me, is a man mountain right there. He was built like a bowling ball, too, because he's another one that uh, – he was a stealer killer in that 2010 Super Bowl. 
he plugged up that middle pretty well. And he could dance. He had some rhythm to him. And I love watching defensive tackles dance. You know, they get to it. I love watching. Uh, they had him listed as nose tackle. So his numbers are not going to jump out and get you. And when you had uh, Clay Matthews and uh, A.J. Hawk, I believe, was on that team as well, mm-hmm. um, their numbers are going to be more pronounced. But they weren't really, other than Clay Matthews, they weren't really a sacking team. But you didn't get very far with them. You just didn't go against the Packers. They had a good defense all, all together. Um, but for the career he played, he was other than one year where he missed. He he played a lot of a lot of games in nose tackle. Is he's not he's not going to be on the list? But I really like DJ Raj. Yeah, he great player. But you know what killed me that 2010 Super Bowl, that 2010 year Steelers were playing Green Bay. Their defense played phenomenal in the Super Bowl. But I looked over at the sideline. You had Dom Capers, the former defensive coordinator of the Steelers as uh, their defensive coordinator, Kevin Green, you know, one of the great Steelers outside linebackers is a linebackers coach there. And I'm sort of going, Oh gosh, this is like a, a bittersweet uh, pill we were taking here. We have all these uh, great Steeler legends uh, over there on the other side, help, helping the other team win here. So I, I, I want to bet with my wife in that Super Bowl. Did you really? Yeah. She picked the Steelers. I picked the pack Packers. What did I get? I got like pizza or something out of it. I should have done more, but I was afraid. She oh, really? usually wins the bets. Yeah, you're it's... you're allowed to bet that. See, we have to bet like uh, foot rubs or back rubs or something. You know, <laughs> well, that was what was her thing, and I'm not a foot person. I am not a foot person at all, and that's why I was afraid to bet anymore. Or I'd have to rub feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather pay the money and buy a pizza than <laughs> doing the. Oh, it's a good rubs. pizza. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. yeah, we had, we had to go to Camden to get the pizza, but it was good pizza. <laughs> yeah, I just have a, a couple more names, and we don't have to go into great detail. Well, maybe maybe one. Uh, you know, yeah. Michael Michael Brockers, I think he's. Uh, oh yeah, team. yeah, yeah. Because, I remember him too. Now he didn't have any Pro Bowls or All Pros. He probably won't make this list. Uh, you know, had twenty nine sacks in his career. Defensive tackle that uh, played for uh, you know the St. Louis uh, Rams, I believe at the time they were in uh, 2012, and uh, then went to L.A. with the Rams all the way till last year, and this year he's with the Detroit Lions. Uh, but you know, very significant player and a, a good ball player in the NFL currently. Yeah, went to a Super Bowl. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's worth mentioning. Um, uh, a couple others, uh, you know. Uh, Chris Kelsey, uh, you know, another good player, uh, Tony Brackens, um, Marco Coleman, you know, great uh, linebacker. And uh, Justin Smith is another one I, I think it's worth mentioning. All, all very good players in their own right. But yeah, I, I remember think- watching Chris Kelsey play uh, for the Bills. He was a pretty solid player too. Yeah, most definitely he was. Okay. Uh, do you have any more you want to mention before we – Try to wrap up our list here. No, I'm, I'm, I think we've got a pretty good list so far, Darren. We got Julius Peppers, right. we got TJ Watt, and we got right. Neil Smith. Right. Uh, I think we could put JPP on that list as well. I think you're probably right there. So we'll put him in as the fourth spot. Okay. Um, you, want, you want me to go through the names we said we were going to come back to here? 
Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So we have uh, Rob Burnett, Mario Williams, uh, Larry Brooks, Darnell Dockett, Vonnie Holiday, uh, Jadavian Clowney, and Dominican Sue, and uh, see Jay Ratliff and Javon Curse. So we need to get uh, six more from those names. Well, I would go – I would say Mario Williams would be on that list I was too. just going to say that. I totally agree with that one. Uh, I think Larry Brooks deserves to be on there with the five Pro Bowls as yes, well. Yes, 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 I agree with that. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Jay Ratliff probably should probably be on there. All right. Uh, so that's seven. I got to put my boy Javon Curse on there. Okay. That's eight. Uh, probably Mr. Sue ought to be on there because he is. I would say so too. He is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And so we have to pick one more out of our, our names we have left. Oh, and, gosh. Uh, so probably this with uh, Burnett, Dockett, Clowney, Holiday. And I would say that it's, it's probably down to Darnell, Dockett, and Rob Burnett. I, I agree. I agree there. And I'm I'm probably leaning towards uh, Burnett on that too. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Well, hey, there's our our ten. That's a pretty good list of number nineties. And like I said, I think there'll be th- at least three from this list we'll see in our lifetime in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Maybe four. I think Julius Peppers and Neil Smith should be in there pretty soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but they might see some of these other guys trickle in here too. Uh, so some good ball players there. Well, what do you? Uh, I thank you for for helping get that list here. Uh, what what do you have coming up on the the football's family podcast in the near future? We can listen. Well, to? we have. Uh, I have two guests coming up. Uh, one tomorrow that will be released tomorrow night, and then I got one coming up in October about fantasy football. Uh, but we're also looking at having more guests. And, and the thing is, I'm opening it up. Anybody can come on. This is the best part about football's family. I, you don't have to have a book. You don't have to have a podcast. If you want to talk about 10 minutes about why you're a football fan, that's what we're here for. You know, Darren, Darren and, and Dana and all the rest of the, everybody else takes care of the football history. I want to deal with what makes you a football fan. Now, we do a little history. But I have a lot of great, great podcast co-hosts on, on, on the, the, the website and on the, the podcasting network that do a great job of football history. I want to know why people like what they do. So if you want to be on this and tell me why you like football or tell me why I'm wrong about my football fandom, I'm okay with that too. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarland or follow us on the Footballers Family Facebook page. And just let me know when you want to come on and, and, and I'll get you on. Yeah, I, I think that's real important what you say, because, you know, I've listened to I think I've listened to every episode that you've had out. Um, uh, I listen every week. But I, the one that really always sticks in my head is your first episode when you had that couple from uh, that's a Tennessee Titans. Fan uh, yes. On yes. There, and they were Gordon just Merrill. they were just so entertaining and just just talking, you know, just like they would, you know, talking on somebody's front porch, talking about the Titans. And it was just so comfortable of a conversation and so entertaining to listen to. And that's what I, I think, you know, football is family. That's what you're describing. That's, 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 that's I what I want. That's what I want. And, and 
you, you'll notice with my podcast that it's very informal. And that's the big thing. It's going to be that way because, you know, it's football. Just talk football and people will enjoy it. You don't have to have formality. It doesn't have to be anything great. It's just just talk football. And, you know, it, it, here, here's the thing. I'm even offering, opening it up to college, high school. Um, and if somebody wants to talk baseball, I will let them talk, and I will nod my head like I know what they're saying. And he's saying this with a baseball hat on backwards, like a catcher. Well, so. well it's, it's so I think it's, he's. A, oh, oh, okay. You're you're hiding it's, that. It's my Titans. Uh, yeah, I well, not after Sunday, y'all. That was that game. Oh, anyway, um, it's my ten. I have the last three years of draft hats, and this is the Tennessee Titans draft hat when they came to Tennessee. It has the three stars for Tennessee on it. You know. Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little education right there, Darren. That's free. Okay. That's free. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, you know, keep doing what you're doing there because we're loving it. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast and you know, folks, make sure you take a listen. As soon as you get done here, go over there and uh, check out some of Jeremy's podcasts. You can find them at any of your, your favorite podcast providers or on sportshistorynetwork.com. And football is family is the name of the show. And Jeremy, I thank you very much for uh, taking the time to, to share your, uh, the history of these great players with us and share your knowledge. And we uh, wish you well, my friend. I thank you. Darren, I want to hear you say, can you say tighten up? Uh, no, I, I think I'm starting to tighten up uh, by having to say that. You know, you know, I'm, oh, I'm black. Okay. I got black and gold in my blood. I can't. I can't. Uh, oh, I don't I stray. I don't stray. I honor players from other teams, but I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't say the call words of another team. That's <laughs> like you, cheating, Dan. you know. <laughs> Thank you. I, I understand. Thank you. Hey, are you ready for some football? Some fantasy football? How about some daily fantasy football? Silly questions, right? Of course you are. You're ready to talk some smack and win some cash every Sunday, and Thursday, and Monday, and whenever there's football games. The Sports History Network invites you to play your daily fantasy football this season at thrivefantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy offers hundreds of thousands, millions in cash every day on NBA, MLB, PGA, golf, cricket, esports, and of course, NFL football. Every week during the 2021 NFL season, Thrive Fantasy has pool play contests and heads-up matches with prizes of all sizes, and even free play contests for real money. Sign up with Thrive Fantasy today to get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit for up to $100 in free daily fantasy football play. Visit sportshistorynetwork.com slash thrive, that's T-H-R-I-V-E, or enter promo code S-H-N when positing at the cashier. Join Thrive Fantasy today, earn cash prizes, and support great shows like this at the Sports History Network. Now that's a win-win-win situation for you to kick off your own NFL season. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. 
pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.